Hello, ghouls. Welcome to Brave the Basement. I'm your host, Ghoul the Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack 2. If you enjoy getting a little scared, ghost stories, haunted houses, a believer in the supernatural, or maybe even a skeptic wanted to look at things from a different perspective, then this is the show for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ed's Barbershop. Ed's Barbershop is located at 210 Lane Street, North Judson, Indiana. So if you enjoy getting your hair cut from a hometown barber with that old-fashioned feel, then dial 574-896-3344 and schedule your appointment today. Hey, Blackjack, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, and like as always, guys, I don't know the topic. I mean, literally sitting here, mic rolling, everything's going, don't know the topic. So to give a little bit of more perspective on this, because Blackjack complains, I'll say, uh, hey, uh, okay, let's go ahead and start recording. And he'll say, uh, so what are we talking about today? And he goes, oh, wait a minute. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Literally right before, he's like, hey, I got this idea for another episode. I was like, don't tell me. I want to hear the. I, I want to I hear it on that day. All right. So today's episode is the Velisca Axe Murder House. Ooh. Have you ever heard of this one, Blackjack? No, I have never, never heard of the Axe Murderer. Okay, so I'm going to give some history on the house, and then we'll go into what happened. Uh, locate, it's located at 508 East 2nd Street, Villisca, Iowa, and was the site of the 1912 murder of eight people, including six children. Their murder remains unsolved. The house was built in 1868, and after the murders, it has been owned by eight different people. The house was purchased by Darwin Lynn in 1994 and was restored in its original condition at the time of the murders and is now a tourist attraction and has been on numerous ghost hunting TV shows. In 1997, the house was added to the National Register of Historic Places. The Iowa Historic Preservation Alliance recognized the house with the preservation at its best award in 1997. Josiah Moore bought the house in 1903. And so... Now we're going to get into what actually happened inside this house. Uh, so in June of 1912, the Moore family attended a family day at their local Presbyterian church. The event ended around 9.30 p.m. Two neighborhood children asked their parents if they could stay the night with the Moore family that night. That night, six members of the Moore family and two house guests were bludgeoned to death with an axe. Time of death was estimated to be between midnight and 5 a.m. on June 10th. The next morning, a neighbor noticed they had not seen anyone and contacted Josiah's brother, Ross. Ross arrived at the home around 8 a.m. and found two bodies covered with a sheet in a downstairs bedroom. Ross then contacted Marshal Henry Horton. The marshal searched the home. He found a dead body in every bed along with blood-covered axe still lying in the room where the two house guests had laid. A medical examiner said each of the victims appeared to have been struck between 20 or 30 times. Josiah was the only victim to have been hit with the blade of the axe, while the blunt end crushed the rest of the victims, leaving investigators to believe Josiah was the killer's intended target. Seven other victims appeared to have died while asleep. One of the house guests appeared to have had defensive wounds on her arm and suggests she was awake during the attacks. So, 
very, very sad for the two children who, I mean, it's sad for everyone involved, obviously, but for the two children that asked their parents, hey, can we spend the night? And they were unlucky that very, that was their night to get murdered. That was, that's terrible. I mean, just absolutely heartbreaking, uh, like I said, for everyone involved, but, but especially for them. Imagine how those parents felt after that happened. So we're going to talk about some of the evidence that the police investigators found left at the scene of the murders. Two cigarette butts were discovered in the attic, suggesting that the perpetrator had waited there while everyone in the house went to sleep. So he was already there inside the house, they believe. Oh, that's that's no good. No. And police discovered a plate of food and a bowl of bloody water on the kitchen table, which the killer might have used to have washed his hands. He also searched through the drawers and found garments to cover various surfaces in the house, including mirrors and glass panels in the doors. The strangest of all was the killer left a four-pound slab of bacon in the house guest's room. The killer took the house keys as he left, locking the doors behind him. You know what the sad thing is? Is that with today's forensic science, we would we would probably already found this person. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have taken very long. Very long. Because uh, today's forensic, we have DNA testing. I mean, if you think about it, this guy literally washed his hands in blood. Easy contamination, blah, 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 but easily testable. He probably has fingerprints all over that place. So um, they did have a main suspect in these murders, and I'm going to talk about him for a minute before we get into the actual paranormal stuff. So a traveling minister named uh, Reverend George Kelly arrived in Villisca for the first time to attend a Sunday School Family Day event. He then left Villisca at 5 a.m. the next morning on the train heading out of town. Reportedly, he told some of the passengers that eight dead bodies were lying back in Villisca several hours before the news had spread. He even mentioned that they had been killed while they slept. Reverend Kelly returned to Villisca two weeks later, and after fooling officers into thinking he was a detective from out of town, he was able to latch onto a tour of the Moore house with a group of legitimate investigators. It wasn't until police became aware of Kelly's past that he became a suspect in the Villisca killings. In his teenage years, Kelly had struggled with severe mental illness. It wasn't until 1917 that a grand jury indicted Kelly for the murders. In August of that year, Kelly confessed to the murder. Given his history of mental illness, his confession was dismissed. The court later acquitted him and set him free, which is why this murder is still considered unsolved. So what do you think this guy did at Blackjack? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Well, I'll tell you what I think. Because, uh, you know, my notes here say that he arrived at Liska for the first time to attend a Sunday school day event. And then he left the next day. Never been there before. Was there for one day. Comes back two weeks later. And they always say that a dog comes back to his vomit. And so, for whatever reason... He really wanted to see the Moore's house again. So, you know, they, they say it all the time, especially with murder cases, that these murderers go back to the scene of the crime. Like I said, a dog always comes back to his vomit. Or it could just be a coincidence. 
It's a coincidence that he lied to police and told them he was an out-of-town police investigator so he could take a tour of the house. Yeah. I mean, coincidence, am I right? But either way, he was acquitted for whatever legal reason he was acquitted for, and this case is still considered unsolved. So, this is a paranormal podcast. Why do I keep going on about this? Because there's been some paranormal activity. Well, of course there is. There is children dead and everyone's been killed in their sleeps. Why not? So, since the murders, paranormal activity has been reported at the house. Reports of objects moving on their own. Footsteps can be heard as well as voices throughout the house. The house is now open for tours and overnight stays. And Blackjack, if uh, you want to stick around in the in the, in the Axe Murder house, uh, it will only cost you for an overnight stay $428. Yeah, I'd rather stay where I'm at right now. So um, this is a, a pretty famous... Uh, Murder. It's a pretty famous haunted house. Uh, so, uh, some some of the uh, guests have been questioned about their experiences, and one guest said, "Absolutely, for the entire tour, I felt like there was someone watching me. I just had that feeling of eyes on the back of my head, and it made me get goosebumps." My friends and I were also lucky enough to get some male and child voices on EMF, which is electromagnetic field meters and that's a recording device there were also some distinct footsteps heard in the attic upstairs it was really creepy of course there was footsteps in the attic of course and when asked about spending the night inside the home uh one guest said at nighttime it feels like there is just so much more energy in the house paranormal activity seemed to occur at every hour it was almost impossible to sleep because of how creepy it all felt in the dark. Not that any of us wanted to sleep. We were all too excited to catch evidence of ghosts. I don't know. I mean, I want to be able to sleep, especially what happened to the last people who decided to go to sleep in that house. Yeah, but they were too excited to sleep, not too scared to sleep. What do you think of that? Well, I would have definitely been scared. You would so... Here's the funny thing about Blackjack is, you know, he talks about how he'd be scared of this and he'd be scared of that and he'd be scared of this. But when we did the Moody Lights trip, including myself also, which which he can he'll, he'll agree, we weren't ready to go. We weren't scared yet. No. Uh, there were other people with us on that trip who were done. As soon as that crazy noise came, they were done and they were ready to go. And we didn't have much choice, did we, Blackjack? No. I mean, I still feel like that picture with the face on it is something. But let's let's get back to the axe murderers. So uh, another guest who is part of a paranormal investigation team called the International Ghost Research Society wrote on the website uh, com as far as paranormal activity goes. This house comes through loud and proud. Over the past few years, I have accumulated many EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomenon, from this house. I have also called out the names of the Moore's children and the house guests to turn my flashlight on and off when asked, and they did just that. Perfect. 
So, like I said, this is um, a lot of paranormal investigators go. It's a tourist attraction. And, you know, you could stay the night if you want to. It cost you 400 some dollars. Uh, but something happened, and it was covered in the New York Daily News. A paranormal investigator stabbed himself while staying at the home. And I'm going to read that article to you. A paranormal investigator stabbed himself in the chest while spending the night at a haunted Iowa house made infamous for an unsolved axe murder 100 years ago that left eight people, including six children, dead. Robert Larson Jr. ended his visit to the Velisca Axe Murder House in southwest Iowa early Friday with critical stabbing injuries that the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office say were self-inflicted. The wood-framed home at 508 East 2nd Street in Villisca remains much the same as it did on June 10th, 1912. The evening someone bludgeoned to death the family of Josiah and Sarah Moore, their four children and two children visiting for the night. The creepy crime scene is the town's biggest draw, attracting paranormal investigators. From around the world to take either a guided tour or shell out $428 to spend the night at the home, which has no electricity or running water, according to its website. It's unclear how the 37-year-old man visiting uh, from Wisconsin managed to stab himself, but authorities said he was there for, re for a recreational paranormal investigation when cops got the call around 12.45 a.m. Larson was eventually flown for treatment to an Omaha hospital some 80 miles northwest of the small Iowa town. It's kind of a shock to wake up and hear that someone has nearly died at your tourist attraction. I'm absolutely sick about this. I'm practically in tears. I can't imagine why someone would do something like this to himself. The haunted home, complete with the furnishings and trappings of the time, has held a certain fascination for years because of the grisly crimes committed there and the fact it's remained unsolved. So what do you think's going on there, Blackjack? Uh, definitely ghost messing with him, bro. So, and, and here's, here's what kind of comes to my mind when I'm reading this story. Um, a ghost typically isn't going to uh, allow you to harm your... Well, I don't want to use the word allow. Um, that's That was a bad word. They wouldn't cause you. Let's say that. They wouldn't cause you to harm yourself. But what would calm you to harm yourself? A demon. There you go. So, um, demons are just that. They are uh, very bad entities. And whenever you get... Something that's going to attract people to it. Something like this. Uh, this tragedy now it is a paranormal uh, hot spot. Uh, would definitely be something that I could see a demon targeting. And for whatever reason. And we don't know a whole lot about this paranormal investigator who harmed himself. But I find it odd that if this guy wanted to harm himself that he chose that moment. Why Why did he go to the house to do it? Why didn't he do it uh, while he's at his own home on his own time instead of 
on a on a paranormal investigation. What do you think, Blackjack? You think there's anything going on here? Or you think this guy just committed suicide? And then I think there's something going on. Because if you think about it, because it could be easy it could be easily covered up as just a suicide. It's the fact that he's a, a paranormal investigator and it brings up the fact he could do it on his own time. But there has to be something there. I think there was something there. I agree with you, Blackjack. And so, do I think that there are some paranormal things going on inside this home? I absolutely do. Um, you know, hauntings uh, often occur around events like this. Uh, we've seen it all through paranormal history. And, I mean, this one, is it's, it's just cliche right, right up there with, you know, any other any other thing you've ever heard with ghosts. A family gets murdered, now the house is haunted. I mean, that's no shocker. I mean, yeah. I mean, killed eight people, right? Eight people. Yeah, it was it was eight people. Six kids. And Six children and two adults. Because adult. they, they killed not only the husband, but they killed the wife as well, their children, and two house guests that were staying with them. So definitely there's got to be something there. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Um, you know, if uh, you're interested in going and staying at the Axe Murder House, uh, cough up to 428 bucks, And uh, right after you do, do not hesitate to send us an email <laughs> and let us know what your experiences were. So if you'd like to become a Brave the Basement ghoul, be sure to share the show on social media. Go to bravethebasement.weebly.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and updates when each episode has been posted. If you have a ghost story you would like to share, you can reach us at bravethebasement at gmail.com. Your story can make it on a show and be featured on a website. You can also submit your story on Reddit under the subreddit Brave the Basement or in the YouTube comment section. If you have an eerie ghost photo you would like to share, please email us and include a description and your photo could be added to our photo gallery. And that brings us to the end. We hope that we brought you just a little fright. And remember when you were up late at night and you hear something in the other room that just doesn't seem right. It's okay if you need to turn on a light to protect yourself from things that go bump in the night. I'm your host, Golden Rules. I'm your co-host, Black One Jack Two. I hope you join us again. Till next time. Ah!